0: The year 1953, a plane touches down at Smithies Airport in Sydney. On board is an American named Lee Gordon. The Australian music scene will never be the same again. From then until now, these are the stories.
1: Hey there, this is Josh Ursum, and you're listening to Awesome Aussie Songs. This episode is on the Deltones and their comeback hit, Come A Little Bit Closer. Our special guests are Deltones legends Cole Lothian and bassman extraordinaire Ian Pee Wee Wilson.
2: Come a little bit closer, and you will see. Yeah, you'll see. I was meant for you, dear, and you were meant for me. Let
1: we take up the Deltone story following the death of their lead singer, Noel Weiderberg. The 23-year-old was tragically killed in a car accident in 1962. In episode 11, we take an extensive look at the early part of the Deltones' career and their rise to stardom. You don't have to have listened to that episode to listen to this one, but it's well worth a listen. Here's a brief snapshot of the group's career up until this point. Signed to lead on, the Deltones released their own records, and they were also the most in-demand backing vocal group in the country. In the studio, they backed the likes of Johnny O'Keefe, Slim Dusty and Cole Joy, to name just a few. They also got the opportunity to perform live on the prestigious Lee Gordon Big Shows, singing their own hits but also backing other acts on the bill, including the big-name American Stars. Here's Pee Wee talking about performing live on the big shows.
3: We would we would go for example, onto the stage at uh, at the stadium, and we would go and do the we would open the the show with three three or four of our songs, and then we'd just stay there and stay there for the next two hours doing the backups for just about everybody that came on. So um, we were not only uh, encouraged to do our own stuff, but we're also in demand to do vocal backups for for all the stars at that time. Um, did a show with the Everly Brothers, which stick in my mind, because they've been so influential on so many fronts to, to a lot of them. Um, if you do you know, the Beatles or the Stones, or whoever you talk to, Chuck Berry, uh, all, around, all those people around, particularly the Harmony Singers. I remember, remember the Everly's were so, um, we couldn't touch them. They were almost like, they had perfect hair, perfect look, they were so handsome. They had perfect skin, they had perfect suits. Perfect shoes that shone, and perfect harmonies above all, perfect singing. that was just, and we were just, they were jaw dropping to, to watch them perform.
1: History shows the Deltones would go on to carve out their own unique place in Australian music. Various versions of the band would continue to record and perform around Australia and internationally for the next 60 years. To highlight the historical importance of the group, when Johnny O'Keefe recorded one of his biggest hits, Shout, the Deltones were right there alongside him for the ride. When Johnny O'Keefe sang The Deltones replied Together they teamed up to record this all-time classic The Deltones were riding high in the charts and had just released their biggest hit, Get a Little Dirt on Your Hands.
2: When I was a little boy, my daddy used to say to me,
4: Son, we got a lot of big plans and a lot of hard work to be done.
2: Go get your marbles, put them in the house, tear down your castles in the sand. Come with your pappy to the cotton patch.
0: Get a little dirt on your hands. Get a little dirt on your
2: hands, boy. Get a little dirt on your hands. If you wanna grow up to be a big, big man, you gotta get a little dirt on your hands. Gotta get a little dirt
4: on your hands.
1: As their record raced up the charts, the unthinkable happened. On the 7th of July 1962, the group's lead singer Noel Weiderberg was involved in a single car accident at Brighton La Sands, and he was killed instantly. Here's Pee Wee talking about those heartbreaking times.
3: What a shock. Um, couldn't believe it. I remember uh, for the first time hearing about it, I was having a, f- a couple of drinks at the Robin Hood Hotel with my surf club mates um, one afternoon and uh, and one of the guys come in, a fellow called Kevin Smith, came in and said to me, um, "Dad's outside. He, he wants to see you." And I thought, "Why would he want to see me? Uh, uh, you know, a, f- a father, uh, a f- a s- this guy's father wants to see me. What, what what have what have I done to deserve So so when he, when I came outside and he told me that uh, uh, Noel had been killed, I was I was absolutely in shock. Um, so i just jumped it just didn't go back inside i just jumped in the car and i remember going down to um, to his brother's uh, house and then we went to identify Null. um and uh going through that period was just like like a dream it, 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 nothing like this it never happened particularly particularly uh you know this was the first because not only uh, was he a friend uh, and indeed a mentor uh, to the rest of the of us in the band, he seemed to to have a, a have a have a clue about what was going on more than we did. Um, but uh, it was just the sheer fact that of of his of his age, you know, this didn't make any sense at all. But it was it it did affect us all, um, and we walked around in bewilderment for for weeks and months after that.
1: Noel's funeral was the sad and sombre type affair that goes with the death of any young person dying way before their time. The remaining Deltones, along with Johnny O'Keefe, acted as pallbearers carrying Noel's coffin. The four heartbroken friends had experienced many euphoric highs together. They had become household names and performed to frenzied fans as a gang. Now, at the height of their success, they were united in grief, carrying their fallen mate to be buried.
3: It was, a, it was a huge funeral, a, a monster funeral, because he had, we had two groups there that, were, that me- melted into one, which was the surf club movement, as well as the entertainment industry at the time. And all, all the big major names, all the big names from, from both of, of those arenas um, came together for that, um, for that, uh, that funeral. And, um, and Johnny O'Keefe, uh, bless him, uh, was there, one of the pallbearers, uh, along with the, the three other Deltanes. Uh, and so the, there we were, an, another reason for, for, uh, for that, uh, that tie that we have with Johnny O'Keefe to, uh, to continue uh, in good sense right through history. He, he's been there. He was there right at the beginning. He was there with the loss of Noel Weideberg. He was there after Noel, uh right up to his, uh, to his end, uh, which we were all sad to see. There was a period of time that we went through uh, that we did go into uh, hiatus. It was a short period, but it was significant uh, because it was that, during that period that the momentum started to build, uh, not only with the, uh, with the uh, getting the tick from the uh, Weiderberg family, Niles family, but also from, from many of the people, uh, insiders in, in show business at the time. So why, why would you, this wouldn't be what Weiderberg would want. He would want you to carry on, carry on the legacy.
1: The loss of his close friend and mentor certainly had a major impact on Pee-wee's life. However, it wasn't always in a sad or sorrowful way. One experience he had following Noel's death was a reoccurring dream. Rather than being haunted by the dream, he found some peace in his mate's passing.
3: Yes, it was. And, and, and it was a dream that, that continued to, to re- repeat itself uh, for years afterwards. Uh, I, would, uh, I would be uh, at, a, at a function or... or uh, a social of some sort, and um, it was. And it's coming back to me now because all of a sudden I would see Null in the distance, walking through the crowd, and I would look, and, and this this confusion would set in. I've been wrong all along. The guy's still alive. Here he is. Here, and then I, I would I would chase after him, but <laughs> the distance between myself and the image of Null. Uh, it didn't change. It just stayed the same distance away. And it, w- it would come up in all various circumstances. And even though it had, you know, one would imagine that would be sort of macabre or, or, or nightmarish, uh, it wasn't. It was just, um, when, I, when I would wake up, I would, would wake up after this dream. And and I would think to myself, my God, you know, there's something. I mean, this this probably was, uh, the birth of my, my later interest in Eastern philosophy and, and, and Eastern uh, um, in Buddhism and and, uh, and so forth, uh, and Vedanta and and, uh, and Hinduism and stuff is that um, not so much about the dream, but about the f- the fact that um, that the feeling that it evoked out of me that uh, there is some sort of immortality. Uh, that uh, that is around, and um, and so I, I think that always always remained a mystery to me, and I haven't forgotten that to, to this day. Uh, that how important that was to me, and how I can I can go back to that particular era of when I was uh, 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 developing and trying to, to to imagine just what direction I would go in. And perhaps this was a sort of a, a projection of mine, uh, a, a, some sort of a guiding figure, if you like, uh, that would, because I, I, you know, I, I really did really have a very close affection for the guy. And uh, because he had a certain, um, a certain personality that uh, was really attractive to, not only to myself, but I know that a lot of people that, were, that knew him well were attracted to as well. And uh, to this day, he's he's a very very important figure in my life.
1: Following Noel's death, the band were lost in a daze. Not only were they grieving the death of their close friend, but it appeared their rock and roll dream was also over. For the remaining Deltones, Noel's death shook the group to its core.
3: For more reasons, more reasons than one reason, it was it it, it, it united the three of us together. Uh, um. And and also, of course, uh, we f- we felt doomed. We I mean, Noel was such an important factor in the band, not only in the in, in the present and the past, but also for the for the future of the band. Uh, he was the leader. He was not only the lead vocalist, but he was uh, the musician. When Noel, uh, when I met Noel, he appeared on a radio show called the Terry Dears Amateur Hour. Uh, And it was on 2GB at the time, and uh, he won it with one of his own songs. He played piano and and, and sang his own song on that show and won it. And that was quite an accomplishment because he was up against quite a lot of talent. Um, So when I say he was the leader... He was a leader in the terms of, 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 of handling the negotiations between him and O'Keefe and various other agents, but he was also the lead vocalist and he was also the lead musician in the band. So he had a multi-role in the band. So that's, that's, I mean, that's the most important figurehead in the band. So when, when, when we lost him, when he died, uh, we thought, well, you know, this is the end. The whole uh, guts of the band had been demolished. However, it wasn't to be because in comes uh, Cole Lockman, and Cole not only fitted into the band because he had a similar range. However, he he didn't sound anything like Roederberg. He had a totally different vocal style, and uh, but he he had he was an aspirational musician. So uh, Cole, as I said, uh, just fell into place, fell into place. It was just like it was just gravity, and we were off and running.
1: With encouragement from the Weiderbergs, the Deltones recruited Cole Lothian to join the group. Cole had been a member of another vocal group, the Crescents. Here's Cole.
4: I was friends with um, with uh, Warren Lucas, who was in the Deltones. I knew him pretty well, uh, and um, uh, he was instrumental in in recommending that I replace Noel after you know he passed away. But uh, yeah, it was very tragic. It would have been terrible, and he was only young, and uh, tragically killed i went past the spot yesterday i drove to wollongong to do a gig yesterday a little jazz gig down in wollongong and I uh, passed president avenue every time i passed that and turned that corner i think of him there because that's what would have happened. he turned the corner and he ran into a pole somehow i don't know he wasn't drinking uh there was nothing it was just an accident would have been a terrible time for the deltones you know
1: when cole joined the deltones he joined a group that was still suffering
4: Warren Lucas had talked to me about it before, after Noel had passed away, um, they sort of decided they were going to, you know, he'd want them to go on. So Warren and myself were mates and Warren sort of indicated that, you know, they'd they'd like me to do it. So it was, that's what happened. It was a pretty quick changeover, really. It wasn't that long before they started up again. Um, I guess, you know, what could you do? You couldn't do anything about it except to give it up or go on, and they decide to go on.
1: Pee Wee believes both Noel and Cole were integral to the Delton's success in the studio. Both uh, Weiderberg and uh,
3: and Loughlin were were both very influential in arranging these harmonies, and they had a great ear uh, for intonation. And I was I was proud to say that in those early days that that we did have, uh, particularly with those influences like Noel Weiderberg and in particular, uh, Cole uh, was making sure that the harmonies flowed, and that the intonation was right, and um, and the musically it was um, it was correct, and I think that that influence was uh, as as held with the deltones right through because I took that with me too. I mean, it was important f- for 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 us to be musically. Uh, I was going to say sound. Excuse the pun, but it, it was it, it had the uh, the proper harmony structures, and and uh, and uh, Cole, Cole was very much uh, important in that uh, in that influence.
1: The sound that the Deltones were able to produce on record is testament to the group's ability. Despite inferior recording equipment and studios compared to what's being used in the UK and America, they were able to create a sound that has stood the test of time.
4: Yeah, I think at the time they. We were producing fairly good quality recordings, considering, as you say, you know, we didn't have the help that the, that the other studios had of, um, of being able to, you know, enhance recordings much. It was what it was. We were definitely behind then and we've caught up now and we produce incredible recordings here now. But, uh, of course, equipment is much the same all over the world now, but then it was very, very different. They they did have better stuff, you know.
1: The deltones were never short of work. If they weren't performing live, they were in the studio. Here's Cole talking about the different aspects of being a deltone.
4: Uh, recording is, is quite good because you get a chance to do it again, you know, if you don't like what you do... The first time you could say, oh, can we do another one? And, you know, you get it a little bit better or something. Uh, and things are more perfect in the studio as far as getting balance right and, you know, getting it to sound. You can move the mic a bit and, you know, somebody can come in closer to the mic on live. You know, it's, it's just what it is. But live is you're working to an audience and so you're getting that reaction back from the crowd of, you know, uh, in a studio, it's very clinical. You go in there to do a job, and when you're doing it live, you're going there to entertain.
1: Come A Little Bit Closer was written by songwriting legends Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller, and was first recorded by American gospel singers Willie and Ruth, and released in March 1954 on Spark Records.
3: Yeah, and, and, and part, one of the reasons it's great, of course, is the two writers, Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller. Great hit makers, written some of the most wonderful songs, uh, rattling them off uh, by the dozens. All, a lot of Motown stuff, a lot of the early uh, 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 rock stuff. Terrific writers.
1: Another version of the song was recorded by country and western duo Hank Penny and Sue Thompson, and was released by Decca in September 1954.
2: A daffodil can fade and
0: die A flowing river sometimes runs dry
2: A sky of blue can turn to gray
0: But my love for you is here to stay
1: Closer to the Deltones recording was released by American vocal group The Four Coins in February 1962. However, it failed to chart in the US and it wasn't released in Australia. We talking about come a
3: little bit closer. It's a wonderful, a wonderful the way they've done it. But we took took it quite differently. And, and again, this is the influence mainly of Johnny O'Keefe, and uh, and Cole who did all the harmonies and the arrangements, and um, and uh, and did the wonderful lead vocal on it. But and he suited the song. I mean, those lyrics are very syrupy, very syrupy uh, lyrics, very very sweet and and uh, and uh, and very rhymy stuff. But 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 they're, they're classic. It's classic Libra and Stoller, um, and um, also of course we had a chat early before we got onto radio. We're talking about Leon Isaacson and the fact that the bass drum was omitted in a lot of the early recordings, uh, simply because it couldn't fit into the studio or, or it, it caused all sorts of technical problems. But on that song, there's a very very pronounced uh, um, accent that was done with the uh, with a Salvation Army. Uh, bass drum that used to be harnessed on on the Salvation. <laughs> I think it was borrowed from a Salvation guy that Catfish, Catfish Purser uh, must have known, the DJ's drummer, and um, and here he is with this um, with this huge bass drum that gave us this uh, this uh, this uh, bass feel, this boom, 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 boom. And um, and you can hear it very pronounced on, on Come A Little Bit Closer. And it drove the song. It drove the song like crazy. And uh, I'm very, very happy with Come A Little Bit Closer. It, it was one of our really good recordings, and I think it deserved. And I, later on, we've tried to, to re-record that song digitally, and we still can't get that original sound. It's, it's impossible to get.
1: The B-side to Come A Little Bit Closer was the song Joanne
3: a lovely song and perfect for a perfect song for um for Carl lochland's uh, vocals he suited it so well uh, and he did a great great job on it <laughs>
1: Deltones were the leading Australian doo-wop band. However, they had plenty of competition.
3: The Deltones at that time, because we had the four-part harmony, and there wasn't a lot of, I I think, we virtually, uh, we weren't alone in doing four-part harmonies with that sort of voice doo-wop structure that we had uh, because there were other groups around like the Thin Men, um, but they weren't doing a lot of recordings and there were the graduates that were on Six O'Clock Rock, did a lot of backups for Johnny O'Keefe as well. But they had Nancy Icord, a wonderful, wonderful vocalist. Nancy Icord, a, a, a real, a real, uh, a, a real darling and 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 a, and a wonderful singer. Uh, and they had a wonderful bass vocalist as well as a thin man. They all had good uh, bass voices and great tenors and great harmonies. But we seemed to to be able to, to, to capture the recordings. They weren't doing the recordings like we were. Uh, perhaps that again is that association with with Joy, two of the two of the megastars, Coljoy and uh, and and in particular Johnny O'Keefe.
1: Johnny O'Keefe played an important part in not only the Deltones' career but many other Aussie rock and roll pioneers. Here's R.J.'s drummer, Leon Isaacson.
0: But that was great because O'Keefe came in and and sort of took over and said, "This is what we we want," and told the the engineers, you know, what they had to do, rather than the engineers telling us what they want to do, you know, and coming in, the engineer would come running in and say, oh, I think we need skulls on this or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for John, man, the, the, you know, half the people wouldn't have existed in those days, you know. And do you think he gets his due? I hope so. I hope so, you know. They say he was the the father of rock and roll in Australia. And why not? If it, wa- if it hadn't been for Jock, you know, a lot of these people wouldn't have had careers at all. You know, and uh, and he understood rock and roll. I- even when we were recording with him, the difference between between doing it with Dig when we kids and doing it as we were told. You know, we'd finish some track and R- Robert Isledale say, Oh, John, it sounds a bit noisy. And O'Keefe would say, Of course it's noisy, it's fucking rock and
1: roll. Cole remembers JOK as a great help to young musicians.
4: He was a... Incredible guy for finding and nurturing, encouraging young people. And uh, he helped so many people along the way. It was a great mind. I mean, he was a genius, really. So it wasn't like he was trying to take all the oxygen for himself. He was he was quite prepared to share it out. And, no, and, he wasn't. Yep. You know, he was a very highly intelligent man, you know, a, a great brain uh, and a great sense for business, a great sense for for seeing what potential was in somebody or possible potential. And he helped us a lot.
1: So when the Deltones were recording come a little bit closer in November 1962, did Cole know that they had a future hit on their hands?
4: Not really, you know, um, no. I mean, a lot of times that happens with songs. I've heard many other people talk about that that have been asked, you know, did they know it would become a big hit? And they, they don't. I don't think you know until you get the reaction, you know. Okay. You do it and then you get the reaction from your friends and all that who say, oh, that's great, you play it for them, And they, but they're your friends, they're not going to tell you it's terrible. And then all of a sudden, you know, if the people, if the public start buying it, the radio stations start playing it, all of a sudden it, it gathers momentum and uh, and it's off and you don't know that till you release anything, I don't think.
1: Of course, every performer or band wants a chart-topping hit. However, the success of "Come a Little Bit Closer" meant even more to the Deltones, and it gave the group and their fans something to cheer about.
4: It was uh, it was pretty good. It really boosted um, the group, uh, you know. To to after you know after the loss of Noel and the whole bit, that the fact that it could come back and you know regain popularity and you know start to sort of go forward yeah no it was good it was uh it was something we were pretty happy about at the time
1: come a little bit closer was released on leaden records in january 1963 the deltones lineup was ian We wilson cole lothnan brian perkins and warren lucas written by libra and stoller this arrangement of the song came from johnny o'keefe and cole lothnan the band back in the deltones in the studio was johnny o'keefe's band the dj's the song reached number one in Sydney and number one on all the radio station charts of the day. Nationally, it reached number two. There was no RE Awards, however, it won Song of the Year at the Australian Radio Awards and was also the highest-selling Australian song for 1963. Okay, that's enough of the talk. Here's Come a Little Bit Closer by The Deltones.
2: Come a little bit closer and you will see it. I was meant for You, dear, and you were meant for me Let our love grow stronger As the years go by Stronger As the years go by Let our love last longer Than the stars in the sky So be my love And I'll be true Darling forever I'll cherish you You'll share my dreams You'll share my heart Stronger as the years go going-
1: for listening to Awesome Aussie songs. Thanks to Cole and Peewee for your time, and thanks to the Deltones for the music.
2: Hi, this is Molly. You've just listened to a podcast brought to you by Mycos Promotions, written and produced by my dad, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kip, and presented by Josh Urson. This is Molly Kidd saying to my good friend, Holly Kirsten, hit it, girl! Something to tell you About a place That I've been to And now Now I know